Welcome to the Impact Show. Beyond training, beyond practice, this is the podcast for strength and conditioning coaches, sport coaches, personal trainers, and sports fitness entrepreneurs who want to increase the impact they have on the people around them. And now, here's your host, coach, author, and entrepreneur, Jim Kilbasso. Welcome back to the Impact Show. I'm Jim Kilbasso, and I've got a special episode for us today. We are going to dig deep into some both some business and impact topics because I have a friend with me who uh, he, he's not just like one of those people that you know on internet shows and stuff. People say, "Oh, and I'm here with my good friend so and so," and they've never met him before. This is actually a friend of mine. I was his college strength and conditioning coach, and I've known him for. Well, not 20 years, but not not too far off of from from 20 years. Um, I have with me somebody that you, this audience, probably is not familiar with because he's in a slightly different space. Um, the the our our guest's name is Aaron Bird, and he is a soccer trainer. He not just a like one-on-one trainer, not a coach, but he has established a super successful business of teaching kids soccer skills. Um, He's in the metro Detroit area for the most part, and he has gone from literally training two kids. um, I remember having the conversation with him several years ago, literally training two kids outside in a park to now having several people on staff. He goes to multiple locations. The business has boomed so much that he sometimes doesn't even know uh, what to do with all these all these people that want his services, um, and I think we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot from him. So first of all, I want to welcome you to the show. This is Aaron Bird. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. Glad to, glad to be here. Excited about it. Yeah, we've been talking about doing this show for several months, and uh, we are now finally having lunch. We had lunch, and now we're sitting outside. It's a beautiful day here in Michigan, so if you hear car horns and traffic in the background. Sirens. Sirens, then they're probably coming after us. Um, So you heard my intro. Um, Tell us a little bit about your journey, like getting this whole thing started, because I don't think it matters what business people are in. A lot of people go from not having anything to not knowing how to get started. Um, and that was kind of tough for you, I think, uh, just to make that decision early on. Well, 100%. And I think that's, you know, you hear all these cliches that people that people throw out there about, you know, the hardest part is getting started and the biggest fear for people is change and you know just just making that making that leap and things will fall into place but I mean that was actually kind of how it happened and it wasn't um, it wasn't my intent at all I was working full-time for a home improvement company I was pretty content with what I was doing I was making a good living um, and come to find out uh, the owner of the business was in some bad malpractices that uh, corporate came in and took over and we all kind of got let go and I had just bought a house so looking for some secondary income I just started doing some private training on the side and that's where I had two of those kids that I used to coach Um, I started with two of them started to really really enjoy it Uh, was trying to make a house payment so was training two kids (laughs) quite a bit (laughs) 
and then it grew to four kids and you know they brought their friends and they brought a teammate and after about a month and a half it was up to probably about 12 kids and I was doing three hours a week with them four of them at a time three times a week um, and it was then that I really 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 understood I wasn't coaching anymore I wasn't coaching games I was individually having an impact on these kids as far as not only their development as a player but their confidence their work ethic their attitude their mentality their discipline everything you control when you're in a one-on-one -on -one or small group setting with these kids and these kids are like sponges they want to learn they want to be pushed they want to be guided they're looking for that and you know sure enough just did everything the right way was super excited about going to work every day and within probably I don't know four months I had grown it to close to a hundred kids um, I was working I was running a lot I was on the field a lot and I was playing soccer every day teaching yeah. kids something that I'd done my whole life so you know fast forward to today like you said and uh, one of the one of the pieces of advice I gave to one of my high school seniors that was doing a project on entrepreneurship and he picked me as his topic and he asked me a couple questions and one of the questions I remember vividly was him asking what advice would you have would you give to somebody when it's starting out and looking to um, start their own journey and I said to him I said chase your passion not the money because if you love what you're doing and you're good at what you're doing, the money will follow. And that was kind of what it was because I started out making $120 a week. Mm -hmm. And I could have easily said, you know what, I got to go find a job because I got I to gotta pay my house payment. But luckily I was supported by my family that kind of helped me out for a couple months while I started going. Mm -hmm. My dad made my house payment so I could keep doing this and grow it. And if I would have chased the money right out of the bat I probably never would have done this because um you wouldn't have, yeah you wouldn't have been able to I you would have just gotten another job and moved on with your and life and done this as a side part so you know I, I said to him I said do things the right way make choices make programs make decisions that have the best interest of your clients not you and chase your passion not the money and those are the two things I said to him and still to this day he kind of talks about those and how much like that meant to him as far as anything in life whether it's sports whether it's journalism whether it's uh watching tv whatever it is if you're passionate about it you're gonna love 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 what you're doing I, for you though i think it goes beyond like just you enjoying it and you being good at it you know we we talk a lot about competence and being like you have to be good at what you're doing. So first of all, you have to be really good for your job at soccer and teaching soccer. But I mean, you know as you know as well as anybody. I know lots of people that are good at soccer and good at teaching soccer, but there's no um, there's no culture there. There's no fun. There's not. It's not engaging. And um, part of this is your personality. You are by nature really funny. You are. Um, you are just interested in people. You, you, you engage them in lots of different ways. Um, but that, I think, is why kids really uh, loved what you were doing. Did you ever make a conscious decision that this was going to be something that was going to be actually fun and engaging yet challenging? Or was that just your personality? 
a hundred percent what you just said is the way we the way we structure our program i hire a trainer obviously based on level but i hire a trainer more based on personality yeah and and that to me has been the number one reason we've been successful and it's also the number one reason we're having a tough time growing Yep. Because I'll sit down with soccer trainers that'll say, hey, I'd love to work for you. you got an awesome program. How much money will I make? And I'm yeah. like, if that's your number one question, this probably isn't the right company for you because the money will be there. We have to grow the program. And the way the program grows is from kids loving you and wanting to come back and talking you up. So, I mean, 100% of what you said is, is how it is. And I, I pride myself on... And I think it's a family thing, a family culture, the way I was brought up. But I pride myself on being a good person, a good friend, a loyal person, and and actually genuinely caring in people's interests. And I think the number one stat that would surprise people more than anything is everybody goes to their share of weddings over their life. As they grow up there, all their high school, college friends, whatever, get married. I have stood up as a groomsman or best man in 28 weddings. 28 weddings as a groomsman or a best man. <laughs> wow. And I, you're, I... You're the most popular person I know. <laughs> next to you. That's why, I'm <laughs> that's why I'm sitting here with you. That's got to be some sort of record of most popular guy. Well, they had... Uh, I'm going to look that up. Didn't I'm they a, have Catherine Heigl in that 27 dresses? I think... But I got married, so I wasn't always the always the bride or groomsman, <laughs> never the groom. I just Googled on my phone, most popular guy, and you just came up. Yeah, second to Jim Cabasso. <laughs> Um, the point so, the point is though like you have a way of developing friendships and getting uh, people to rem- not just remember you but you engage with them like you you actually like people and I think well my previous job like I said when I was out of college I was working in a home improvement company I was in sales mm-hmm. and it was the most fun part for me was your your first your first inclination of a salesman that comes in your house that you don't know is this schmuck's going to try to sell me something. What's he trying to sell me? And I always, I I always took the greatest pride in trying to just get that couple, that, that person to engage, right? Build the rapport Mm -hmm. because it's, it's just like in our industry, a lot of it's trust. Do you trust that I'm doing what's best for your kid? And do I take the extra time to talk to you for two minutes after practice? And do I take the extra minute to pull your kid off to the side and say, hey, that looked fantastic. Give you a high five and say, I want you to keep doing what you're doing because it looks awesome. That kid goes and gets that drink of water on cloud nine. Their confidence is high and they're, they're like, man, this guy is really noticing what I'm doing. And they, go, and they get in the car and they tell their parents how much fun it was. And that's not hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to do. Now, you also don't lie, right? You don't go to a kid that's not performing and say, hey, you're doing great. You talk to them in a different manner. And it's the same conversation I have with my, my wife, my parents, my everybody. You can get any message across you want. It's all in how you deliver it. And that's what we talk about in our program as far as your personality. I can tell a kid that's not performing in a super motivational and calming way that I want them to work harder without degrading them, yelling at them, screaming at them. And they come back from that drink and they're like, man, this guy really respects me and I want to give him more. How do you say it? Like, like just what, what would you say to that kid that, you know, you got a group of, say, four kids and uh, three of them are killing it and one of them you just know has more. What kind of stuff do you 
I mean, you know, you can kind of role play, but you I know, think a lot of people struggle with this. hundred uh, percent. So what are, what are some tips? Like, what do you actually say that's not degrading? Because um, I think a lot of people's default mechanism is sarcasm um, or they just go hard on kids. Um, but you do have a special way of, of doing that. Well, and... You may not even know. It might just be you. Well, I think, you know, I think you have to be aware of it right you have to be aware of your Good tone yeah you have to be aware of how you conduct yourself you have to be aware that you know I think the number one thing we forget is all of us in our field that are at the level we get to we played at a high level we were pushed we did things harder than other players we did things more often than other people I think at times when we get to be older like this we kind of forget that we're talking to 10 11 12 13 whatever age mm-hmm. kids we're mm-hmm. talking to kids and I always say to my to myself when I'm on the field and a kid may be irritating me, maybe like you said, I got a group of four and three of them are killing it and one of them is just not paying attention. They're kicking the ball off the wall. They're not really engaging. I'll pull that kid aside on their water break and I'll say, I'll, I'll say to them, hey, I really think you could do a better job of listening. And if you do that, I bet you you'll start to see some better results. You'll start to have more fun playing this game. And you'll start to really see improvements to where this game really, really, really starts to be fun for you mm. because you get way better at it. Mm. And I think I think back to myself as a player and the way that was handled. If I address that kid in that calm manner in front of the other three kids kids get embarrassed Very they much. don't want to be embarrassed in front of other people they don't want to be the outcast they don't want to be called out so if I do that same message in front of those three kids he's already turned off he's yeah. disengaged because now he feels like I'm making a mock of him in front of these three kids so you pull him off to the side you give him a little bit of confidence to say I think you could really develop I think you could really grow but you need to do a better job of listening. So you get the, here's why you're having a tough time. You're not listening. You need to do a better job paying attention, but you don't yell at him and you don't do it in front of other kids. You do it in a way to where he says in his head, this guy cares. Like he, mm-hmm. maybe he's right. Maybe if I do work a little bit harder, I'll get better. So, you know, it, it's, it's again in the delivery. And I think we forget a lot of times that we want to show we're the authority. Mm-hmm. So if I yell at you for not listening in front of 10 kids, you're not going to give me more. You're going to shut down. You're going to disengage and you're going to be embarrassed. And now you're just not wanting to be there. Now, when you go get in that car, no matter how much you developed individually, you touch the ball 2000 times, you're going to go tell mom and dad that wasn't fun because I called you out. Not yeah. because you didn't get better yeah. that that environment wasn't fun. So it's how we, it's how we address certain situations. And, uh, well, I think something else you did when you explained like what you, what you would do is that you painted a picture for that kid of what the future could look like if he made a change. And I think that that's, that's like profound. I don't know if you even meant to do that, but like it, 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 I'm going, I'm thinking of my own kids, like how they would perceive that. And you weren't just saying, you know, you could be, you could be so much better if you tried hard, you know, cause you'll hear people say that you actually said like, you will get more out of this. You will become a better soccer player. Then the game will become more fun and you will enjoy it more. So all of a sudden a kid can picture maybe what that might feel like. I think that's, that's profound, man. Well, and I, and I mean, it's like I said, I, I, I played the game. I played the game at the highest of levels. I played 
for the number two team in the entire country for quite a few years, was the captain of that team, had to learn different personalities on the team. You know, I had players that if you got on them, even though it might have been their fault, they completely shut down and they don't give you what you want. I remember a player that I played with for probably seven, eight years, was one of the best players I ever played with, but he was mentally very, very... Um, I don't want to say selfish, but he was easily angered on the field, mm-hmm. and his game would visibly drop. So if he would miss an opportunity that I gave him in a game, every single time it happened, I walked up to him and said, that was my fault. I should have given you a better ball. Mm. Because when I used to get on him about it, him and I started to butt heads and our games didn't coincide. Mm. I knew that it wasn't my fault. But I could easily take the blame for him because I knew it would keep him in line and I know it would keep him You're doing it for engaged. a reason. Yeah. And you know, I, I played I played either at a professional or division one or college level for seventeen years, and fifteen of those years I was captain of our team. And it was just like I mean, it goes back to the same thing. It's personality, it's rapport, it's understanding, and it's just how you get people to engage. And a lot of our training, you know, even in your field to where people think it's such an incredible session if a guy's standing over you screaming, making you like, yeah. like to where you're to the point of throwing up, I can get the same thing out of you without turning my face all red and screaming over you and putting you know, you through this rigorous workout to where you're like, man, that was super hard, but that was fun. I laughed through it. Yeah. Like, and, I, and we do that with our, with our athletes. I had our, I had our athletes today and we went through a hard workout this morning to where they're tracking their heart rate monitor but we're laughing, we're having fun, and they're like, "You do this every day," and I go, "Every day." Yeah. And they're like, "You're you're like you're ridiculous." Yeah. And I and and I am, but it's fun. Like they're like, "How do you laugh through this?" And I'm yeah. like, "Because it's fun. It's a game." Yeah. Right. We tell our athletes, even if you're 12 years old, you trip and fall on the ball, I'm gonna laugh at you, because if I did it, I would want you to laugh at me. That's funny, mm-hmm. right? And that's I think where we lose sight of as club coaches, especially we're rated on our licensing and our wins and losses, mm-hmm. not how you impact a kid. Yeah, that's right? true. And I go and I win five state cups, and everyone says, man, this guy's won five state cups. His teams are incredible. But if 75% of those kids go to college and say they hated you as a coach, what does those wins mean? And, I, and that's to me and that's to me why I got out of coaching. I yeah. got out of coaching because I wanted a more individual impact on these players, not only as a soccer player, but as a human being. How do you teach yourself to make, I, 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 it was super funny, I did this to my girls the other day. We played in Cleveland, and Cleveland is the second best team in the league. Cleveland has a super, super talented roster. And I said to my girls, I said, you cannot, this is a semi-pro women's team. Yep. So girls that have played at the national team level, Florida State, North Carolina, Michigan, all over the country, college players. And I said to them, you cannot score until you guys as a team put together 75 passes. (laughs) They're like, well, what if I'm on a breakaway? I said, you cannot score. You put it wide. (laughs) And these girls. stuff that you do usually with like little kids teams that are like blowing a team out or something. Yeah, after they're up by 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's 0-0. Game hasn't even started. And I say, you can't score until you put together 75 passes. The locker room starts going, they all side conversations here and there. And then the girls are like, well, what if we have a breakaway? What if we get a free kick? You put it wide. So we go through the first half. It was 
six minutes before they put 75 passes together. That's it. I mean, they were moving the ball everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And at halftime, I brought them in. I brought them in, and I said, I said, ladies, I've got nine national team players here, four ACC, everybody else, Big Ten, MAC, whatever, all high, high-level players. Raise your hand if you've ever, ever had a coach tell you you can't score until you play 75 passes. They're all started laughing. No, never. No way. No, my coach would never say that. Yeah. And I go, why do you think I did that? What do you think my purpose was? And they're like, teamwork to do, to build, like, get a rhythm of the game, to get confident with the ball. And I go, yeah, all of that's fine. All of that's great. And that, that, that is super important because it did set the tempo. I said, but let me tell you what the whole purpose of that is. What would have happened if in that 75 passes we had the opportunity to maybe go score but we didn't because I said you couldn't and we go down one nothing or two nothing I go in your mind who do you automatically blame and they all go me and I go so the fact that I put a restriction on you of 75 passes that's why we gave up the goal and I go that's what I want you to understand is we want to blame everybody else for what's going on and why something didn't go right. Why is this player playing over you? You want to blame that player in their relationship with the coach. You you lose one nothing because your goalie got nutmegged from 30 out. You want to blame the goalie, not the fact that we didn't score any goals. Right? I said, so the purpose of that was to see how you guys reacted and to understand that you wanted to blame me if we fall behind, not we gave up a goal. Mm-hmm. Right? And it was, you should have seen their faces kind of engage the very next day we play another team they go to me can we start with the 75 pass rule <laughs> you, absolutely you, you completely like broke their way of thinking and and got them to focus on something different and and look at it a different way and, that's that's awesome but that's what i'm that's what i'm meaning about being a better person yeah be a good teammate right because you were on the bench for part of those 75 passes doesn't mean you're not a part of those 75 passes because you play against them in practice you're the one that builds them up to have to be able to play under pressure like every I try to get all of our kids to understand that after soccer there's not a huge path for a lot of unless you're going MLS or overseas there's not a huge path Mm -hmm. and the amount of players we've trained that are in the pro level it's few and far between Mm -hmm. so I try to take our soccer and say, listen, I'm going to be the hardest working person you've ever trained with. I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to outclass you. I'm going to outrespect you. I'm going to have a better attitude. I'm going to do this and that. Because when you go to your job interview, those are things that are priceless. Now you might play soccer as a pickup sport. You might play it as just because you love the game and a passion. But how successful you are in life depends on those things. The type of person you are, how well you're respected, your attitude, your work ethic, your discipline. And those are things that your field and my field can both teach our athletes that are invaluable, and I don't think a lot of people give them those, give them that. Well, not only not only can we, but uh, we just had you know somebody else, uh, Brett Klicka, who was another guy who was on the podcast and has also written articles for the IYCA, said that parents love knowing that they're sending someone, sending their kids to someone who's not just going to teach them what they're getting paid to teach, but they're gonna teach them more. They're gonna teach them about being a better person in life lessons. And that is, I think, a huge reason why parents love sending their kids to you. Because they know they're, yeah, they know they're getting better at soccer, but they also know that you're, you and you, your staff are gonna insert other things. 
uh, you know, you're going to insert you know, how to be a better person, how to be a teammate, how to work hard. Um, you might send them home with something to think about that they get in the car and they say, you know, Coach Aaron or Coach Renato or somebody said this to me today. You know, you're giving them more than just here's how you dribble a soccer ball. Well, and and as you know, you know this, you've worked with the highest, highest level of athletes. You. I, I didn't say second level, second highest level. <laughs> you must have had a really good college strength coach, though. I did. It's my last two years. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, these kids. They, I w- just so everybody knows, I left and he had to somebody else for two years, so <laughs> that was a nice burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he left me. Um, so the thing, and, and I look at this when I was a player. You ask any kid right now in our sport, in soccer, ask them what they do at practice, and 99.9% of the answers will be the same. It's like we've set this curriculum of this is how we develop players. Because we see, you know, because we see Bayern Munich or we see Barcelona playing 5v2 before practice, we feel like that's what we need to do. Yeah. Well, you do understand that Barcelona and Bayern Munich can pass the ball at about a 99% proficiency rating, and our kids can't. And that's not a negative. It's a system thing to where the more proficient we become at a skill, the better those games become. So I look at these practices, and we watch them, and you break them down, and you're like, man, that kid just trained for an hour and a half. Yeah, he's dripping sweat, and he touched the ball 17 times. And I'm like, I touch a ball 17 times. I'm not going to get better in an hour and a half span. So we, we try to create an environment to where, you know, these kids not only enjoy it, but they're like, man, I'm working really hard. I'm touching the ball. I'm having fun. This guy's endearing. He cares about what's happening to me. And I think the number one thing we get is these kids, they want to be pushed. They yeah. want to be challenged. They yeah. want that to be hard. And when they don't get it, they kind of get into this lull. And then they either go to college or they come to someone like me or you or somebody that really does push them more than just, uh, man, practice was so, so, so hard today. Why? What would you do? We ran the beep test. Well, I had, two co- I had two coaches that coached us when we were the second best team in the country, went to back-to-back national championships. We trained 93 days in a three-month span. And I would say maybe 4% of that was fitness. Mm-hmm. We did it in our drills yeah. with the ball. Our fitness was included in our practice with the ball, get fit with it. And that was why it was so fun for us. Like we were good. We knew we were good. We were confident because we knew we were better, but we enjoyed what we were doing. And it was like challenging. And nowadays when I talk to our kids, it's not a negative on the coach. It's not, I, I don't have any negative to say towards coaches. It's more, we've got to develop a way as a, your group, to make them faster, stronger, quicker, more explosive. My group, to make them more technically proficient, better with the ball, better passer, better vision, better better first touch, better shot. And then these clubs, to put them in these environments and teach them when to use this stuff, how to use it, where to do it, for sure. So we all work hand in hand. And right now I think the biggest disconnect is it's a competition. I wanna take my kids and not send them to you because I don't want them to say you made them better. I want them to say I do, mm. right? Because people want the ego stroke. For sure. and they, to, want the, they want the success. I, I say to my kids, credit. we have zero teams. Yeah. So when I train every player, when they go on and win a national championship or when they commit to college, when they sign or they go to get called into a national camp or they play pro or their club team wins a state cup, 
I say to him, I go, how many of those trophies does my name go on? Yeah. Zero. It's always your club. Your club gets the recognition, and that's who should get it. They're providing you that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So if they would understand, all these clubs would just understand, we're not a competitor to you. We're trying to help players love this game grow a passion for this game, and go back to you better, more comfortable, more confident, everybody wins. Here's a question on that. So I hear, you know, coaches, soccer coaches, I'm guessing, would say to their kids, you don't have to, you don't have to go see Aaron Bird. Like, we, we can do all this. Um, yes, they can, but they don't all the time because they don't have time. Same with what we do. Um, you know, I'm sure there are coaches that say, yeah, you know, yeah. We, we do our own speed and agility. You know, we do our own strength training. I don't have to, you know, you don't have to go to some private place. What do you say to those parents? Like, yeah, yeah, you can, but what's well, the difference? And, and, and the, here's the thing. Soccer coaches' jobs are to teach the kids how to play the game of soccer. And they have a hard job because it's twice a week, an hour and a half practices. If you spend 50% of your time doing technical work, your kids don't learn the game. Mm -hmm. If you spend 50% of your time teaching technical work and not the game of soccer, and you start to lose in our system, those parents say, we're losing too much. I'm going to go to another club. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go play for XYZ because they want to win. Mm -hmm. And my kid wins. And they, parents associate winning with better. When, Absolutely. when not necessarily that's the case, right? You're looking at, you know, I, I say to a parent, I want my kid in an environment where they're going to get better. If I lose, I lose. If I get better, I get better. That's better for my kid. And when, when you look at these coaches, you say to them, or these parents, like your question was, these parents, you could say, go watch a practice. See how many times your kid individually gets the ball. We've done it. I've done these studies. We've sent our trainers. We've watched kids. We've counted their touches. It's not a failure of our system. It's a product of we don't have a lot of time. So when you yeah. look at the coaches from any club around here, if their kids are not developing technically, it's not their fault because of the practice setting. It's their fault because they don't give them the guidance to come to us or go to you. But they're the same kids that they have no problem sitting on the bench 90% of the game saying, you turn the ball over every time, your first touch isn't clean, you can't cross the ball, you can't finish, you're doing this and that, to where that's what we can help with. Mm -hmm. And that's where the disconnect is, is these parents need to understand, we work hand in hand with your club coach. So developmentally, they physically don't have the time. It's like you said, sure, you offer your own speed and agility program, you offer your own technical training program, fine, but it's not the same, mm -hmm. right? You you have coaches that are doing that to make extra income, or you have a group of yeah. you have a group of six year olds through eighteen year olds that are doing your free drop in night on speed and agility, and you've got you're just running people around, just run jump through these hurdles. I did it when I coached club soccer. I needed extra income. They had me run the speed and agility. I have no running certification. A big you're just doing I put, a big circuit. I put together six of those little hex circles on the ground hurdles and a piece of tape, and said, okay, you're going to do single leg bounds through here, jump over the hurdles. And then single leg forward backwards over here. Yeah. I don't know what the heck I'm looking for, but the kids were running, right? <laughs> right but the right. parents were paying for it because they're like, this is speed and agility through our club. Yeah. So it's just a huge disconnect on what's really professional in the industry and how do we get all of us to work hand in hand. Because if we really wanna if we really want to increase the level of athletes, soccer players, any athlete in the in this state, in the world. You can't have one coach. There's not one specialty coach that can get you everything. You can't. You can't say, okay, hey, uh, 
Aaron Rodgers, I want you only to train with me. I'm going to get you stronger. I'm also going to teach you how to throw a football. I'm also going to teach you how to read your routes, and yeah. I'm going to teach you how to eat properly. I'm gonna, you can't do it all. Yeah, got to go to specialists. You have to, and that's in. Like I said, I mean, I've got. It's I've, also collaboration. You're big on collaboration. You're 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 not telling people like I'll do it all. You want them to 100%. to go other places. And I think that's where I want to get with these coaches and say. Tell me what you want this kid to work on. I'll yeah. work on it. I think you're the expert. You tell me what you see him in games. Yeah. Right? You see him in games. What is their problem? Same thing they could say to you. Hey, Jim, uh, I got a player that's great over 40 yards, but everything in a five-yard space, they're second to the ball. Mm-hmm. So how do you get them quicker and shorter? Okay, you know what to do. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's the that's the thing is we all got to collaborate together. And, you know, the, best, the biggest, the biggest uh, example I can make of that is, any any soccer player or any soccer aficionado now that doesn't know Mr. Kellen Acosta, Kellen Acosta is on the full U.S. national team. He just played 90 minutes against Mexico in the World Cup qualifier. He lives in Dallas, Texas. He came in two years ago for a camp that was put on by us. Never met the kid in my life. And at that point, he had been called into his first U.S. national team camp two years ago. He came in and trained for, for five days left straight from there to go to L.A. for his first national team camp. I've been in touch with him since that day two years ago because in five days the impact I've had, he's been back three times now to train for weeks at a time because he finds the value for him. This Mm -hmm. is a World Cup Olympian, World Cup player that finds the value in flying from Dallas, Texas to here for a week to learn not only – He's a great soccer player. How much am I really going to teach him other than repetition? Touch the ball, touch the ball. But he loved the mentality training, the get up and get up and work, get up and get something done, be the hardest working person, the attitude, the discipline. He loved that, and he's been back three times, and that speaks volumes. A player at his level that is willing to commit to flying into Detroit, Michigan. Three... Likes the atmosphere and the culture. For sure. Yeah. Well, you know – it's been awesome. We're going to have to maybe do this again and have a part two where we can dig deeper into some of your business stuff too. Um, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And if people want to get a hold of you, where would they learn more about Aaron Bird? Um, and his Bird, B-Y-R-D. B-Y-R-D, yep. Um, no, and Jim, first off, before that, thank you so much. I mean, this is, you have been, for those of you that don't know, like you said, he was my strength coach. And I went into college as a freshman at 145 pounds and I'd probably lifted weights six times in my life. I had, I had strength training my senior year in high school, and my teacher the first day said to me and my buddy who was the high school quarterback, I know you don't want to be here. Just don't disrupt my class, and I'll give you a pass. We'd go to breakfast every morning. I hated working <laughs> out. I hated it. And it was Jim was my first ever experience with working out, and through the way that he taught his passion his fire a no nonsense of was never disrespectful was never rude but pushed you motivated you he made me love it and to this day my friends still make fun of me for how much i lift how much i work out how much i train and jim is the one so thank you so much for having me you've been a huge huge part of my success and a huge part of my life um as far as to find us our website is next-leveltraining.com and our uh, Instagram, Twitter, our NLT Soccer. NLT Soccer. And uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Love to help anybody we can in any 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 regards of soccer or life, anything we can do. Yeah, hit him up on his Instagram. You can ask questions and learn more about what he's doing. And um, 
and get a hold of them through his website. And if you have kids that play soccer, yeah, let's get them in. Or if they don't play soccer, I, they go to you. I, no, you can teach them. Okay. Yeah. Oh, if they don't play soccer, we can teach them. Yeah. You can teach them. Aaron, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you, buddy. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Impact Show. We're glad you're joining us on this journey of making an impact on the people around you. Please visit us at jimkilbasso.com for more information and ideas to increase your impact. And of course, we hope you subscribe to our podcast to enjoy more tips, stories, and advice from our industry's leaders.